time is 33 minutes past eight on Tuesday, the 19th of November, 2013. My name is Garen Thomas. And I'm eating cake mix. <laughs> and you're listening to our Errand of Mercy. Which so- is a casual episode. A ca- yeah, we're, we're literally just about to start recording and Simon's fiance brought him a bunch of cake mix to it. And, so, and then Simon's just not stopping. He's not taking a break to do the show or anything. Because I'm really professional. I can yeah. just carry it off while I eat cake mix. It's not a big deal, Jim. <laughs> no, you can't, but okay. I hate you so much. I was baking bread and I, I put it aside, which is you can do that with bread, to be fair, to come and do the show. But no, you? No, no. My fiance is making me cupcakes um, while I record this podcast. It's pretty good. It's good yeah. life. I don't think I've ever had it better, to be honest. I got my podcast. I got my my beautiful fiance. I got my my gaming PC. It's all it's all going on. This week we're going to start by mentioning that Bob Dylan has just created the greatest music video ever. It's pretty fucking good, isn't it's, it? It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, it was uh, and it was surprisingly hard to Google though. Um, yeah. Bob Dylan. Um, well, I suppose the people behind Bob Dylan, his Kiss Music Company, yeah. have released a new music video for Rolling Stone. Uh, for like a Rolling Stone, I mean, mm-hmm. which is ten different music videos. Yeah. Um, and it's interactive, so you flick through the music videos as you want while you're listening to the song, and it's it's really awesome. It's like of... each each music video is a different channel on TV. Yeah, um, they're all a music video for like a Rolling Stone. Yeah, it's amazing. You should uh, check it out. You should really check it out. Like honestly, once you finish listening to this show, just check that out. The company that made the video itself are called Interlude. Yeah, but yeah, because I guess apparently, like a f- R- Bob Dylan, and a man who could possibly die any moment, um, and has has there's now a music video for his song that it's like half a century old, and it seems to get the internet more than any other music video that's yeah. created. So it's, good, um, it's pretty impressive that that uh, Bob Dylan has just understood, like on a subconscious level, how it all works. Yeah, I mean, and, and I'm pretty sure we've taken time on this show to take this out of Bob Dylan. <laughs> I think we I mean, have. I don't know for certain, but I'm. I would imagine we have. But I yeah, feel like I, it's something we've done. Yeah, I don't know. My my opinion of him has slightly changed with this awesome music video. I he guess. may have redeemed himself. Yeah, he's definitely redeemed himself slightly. So, um, do you think we should start the show with music news then? Going off, yeah. Of that? I've got a couple of bits and pieces of music news I wanted to talk about because, you know, we like to dip into the music world every now and again. We do. Um, um, I've got some music news as well. So, I mean, obviously Bob Dylan, as I said, um, I don't know, when, when do you think Like a Rolling Stone came out in Ideas? I'm going to say late 60s, early 70s. Oh, no, I'm going to say about 1960. Two. Okay, so I'm... I'm, I'm going to go early 60s. You're going to go early 60s? It's wicked. 1965, right in the middle. Oh, okay, so we're both, we're both right. But, but yeah, we're both right. It's what happened there. <laughs> so that was released in 1965, about 10 years after the UK's official album chart started. In July 1956, yeah. um, the first official number one was Songs for Swinging Lovers by Frank Sinatra, an album, t- an album title that has a very different meaning these days. It does. Yeah, definitely. But I can see where he was going. That's a good, that's a pretty strong start, isn't it? It's, it's a pretty strong start. Um, we are now coming up to um, this 
I think it's released on a Friday, and this Friday's number one album will be the thousandth British number one album. Wow. Um, so I've got some I've got some interesting stats here from from the Metro, which okay. is always a source of good stats. One of the weird things I noticed was that um, the time between the first initial and official number one and the five hundredth official number one. Okay, was exactly was thirty eight years. Yeah, the time between the five hundredth and the one thousandth number one is exactly half of that. Okay, it's nineteen. So it took them thirty eight years to do the first five hundred, and then nineteen years to do the second five hundred. But why? I don't know. But for some reason, we're exponentially ramping up the number of albums. I guess there's going to be a new one every day now, every I... ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the thing. It's like maybe it's a singularity. That's it. We'll become robots, and every millisecond there'll be a new number one album. Is what will happen. Robot hipsters will have to exist in a quantum state one second ahead of the rest of the universe um yeah and, and they'll know that they'll be able to tell us what the next number one album is but by the time they've told us another one thousand number one albums will have happened <laughs> i'm looking forward to it personally <laughs> yeah, me too it sounds like a an exciting time for music um <laughs> so so the, the first initial number one songs for swinging lovers the 100th was Imagine by John Lennon, the Plastic Ono band. That's it. See, once again, like we're still doing all right, I think, yeah. on the 100th one. 200th Night Flight to Venus by Boney M. Not so great, that <laughs> Ooh, one. Oh, yeah. Um, 300th, now that's what I call music free. Uh, no, I don't think they should be included. Well, no, me either, but I guess it counts. Because it's... that's just a compilation of other number one songs, basically, yeah, isn't so it? it? It seems a bit unfair for them to get in. 400th was Erasure with Wild. I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all right. Um, 500th, Our Town, The Greatest Hits of Deacon Blue by nice. Deacon Blue. <laughs> nice. Um, 600th. I've Been Expecting You by Robbie Williams. Oh, well, there we go. Yeah. 700th, Magic and Medicine by The Coral. That's, oh, The Coral. Remember The Coral? I do remember The Coral. They were all right, I guess. They were like a throwback band, weren't they? they That was their thing. They had a Hammond organ, which I'm always behind. I think any any band that throws in a Hammond organ, I'm kind of into. Then 800th was Not Too Late by Nora Jones. And the 900th, was an Oasis compilation album. I don't so there's think, three compilation albums in that list. I don't think we... I think we have to discount compilation albums. That's right, not okay. allowed. It's not allowed. Now, the other interesting stat, so that was just... I mean, obviously, that's essentially random because it's just which order yeah. they came in, you yeah. know, but it doesn't tell you anything about the bands. It's just like... The fact that Boney M is in there is just coincidentally, you know, they'd released an album and were fairly big at the time. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. Um, but we've also have uh, the top 10 artists by number one albums. So it's the number of number one albums. Okay. Now, I'm going to give you the entire list apart from number four, because I think all of the rest of them are really kind of obvious. Yeah. But you will, like number four, you will not get. Okay. Right, so number one for Beatles. Yeah, of course. Number two, Madonna. Yep. Yeah. 
Number three, Elvis Presley. Well, I'm surprised that I was going to say he would be like maybe number two, but I guess he was bigger in America, wasn't he? Just topped him out by one. She got 12, he's got 11. So <laughs> I bet like the moment she got 12, she was like, she flew to Graceland. She was like, ah, oh, motherfucker. Number four is a mystery. Number five, Rolling Stones. Number six, U2. Number seven, Michael Jackson. Yeah. Number eight, ABBA. Number nine, Bruce Springsteen. Number 10, David Bowie. Yeah, that's all pretty standard. I'm surprised David Bowie's even in there, though. I guess maybe he was really like crazy he has popular. Just a lot of albums. Or maybe it's that as well. Because <laughs> like he, he did, he, like if you look through his discography, like through the seventies, he did release sort of an album every six months. So <laughs> he's been a pr- pretty prolific artist. Yeah, like ACDC in that way. ACDC yeah. with their like seventy-five albums or something like that. I've got to say as well, like seven, eight, nine, and ten. So Michael Jackson, Abba, Bruce Springsteen, David Bowie are all on nine. So I don't okay. really get how what, how they decide the order. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. So the question is, who comes in between Elvis Presley and the Rolling Stones? <sighs> what <Well, it's, laughs> that is not a party I want to be party to. By the way, oh, is it? Oh, is it Rush? No, it's not Rush. Oh, fuck of course, that. Of course it's not Rush. Is it Genesis? It's not Genesis. That's a better guess, I think. Pink Floyd? No. Uh fuck. Um, Duran Duran? No. I'm surprised it's not Duran Duran. Okay. I don't know. You're not... I mean, you've given some strong guesses there. Yeah. Number four is Robbie Williams. <laughs> oh, Wow. Rob That's Williams. really bizarre. <laughs> Robbie Williams is only barely less successful than Elvis Presley. <laughs> what have we wrought? What? Like, how is... Because as far as I'm aware, Robbie Williams has... I can think of three Robbie Williams songs. Okay, so we've got Angels. Yeah. Millennium. Yeah, Millennium. And Rude Box, just because it's a bad that's, song. That's, those are his three. He gets those. So he's done three. He's done. Two, he's done like one good love ballad, one good sort of late nineties power pop ballad, and one shit song, and that's it. So how has he managed to get ten albums? Oh, he wrote a really good song about like how shit it is to be a pop star. Which is actually, which is really good. I can't remember what it's called. I, I want to say, actually, like, just to be clear, I don't really have anything against Robbie Williams. No, it's just surprising that he's, like, earned that place, isn't it? Like, the fact that he is more successful in England than Michael Jackson. Yeah, like, Robbie Williams, more successful than ABBA. Like, yeah. what? <laughs> Sorry, come again? <laughs> but, but the thing is, like, if you'd say, if it'd been take that, I would have been like, oh, yeah, no, that kind of makes yeah. sense. No, like, take that, no Westlife. No, 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 but I guess these are all flash in the pan kind of boy bands, basically, but, aren't but they? Surely Robbie Williams is as well, because he released like a solo album after being in Take That. Isn't that what happened? No, he, uh, how many did he do? Yeah, fuck, how many at did least he do? Ten, at least 10. He had 10 number ones. Let me. Let so me, he uh, must have had some duff ones as well. Like, how many albums has this man made? I'm going to have a look at his discography. Um, so we've got um, Life Through a Lens, uh, which I think my uh, my parents own. Mm. Um, I've Been Expecting You, Sing When You're Winning, Escapology, Intensive Care, Rude Box, Reality Killed the Video Star, 
and take the take the crown and swinging both ways. So on a, then there's live albums, live at ne- Nebworth. Well, he's I got guess live he's got al- a bunch of compilation albums. So that's what it is. That's how you Probably, work your way yeah, to the like, top. I guess that's it. Like every Christmas, thousands of people are buying their mum's Robbie Williams compilation albums, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. You, you see them all the time. For sure. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That's it. So that's about it. That, you see, so again, shouldn't be allowed. Compilation albums shouldn't be allowed. Um, he went... also like because there's also there's, they've got that's the most albums at number one. They've also got the like the most weeks spent at number one. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go through this. So number one for Beatles, number two Elvis Presley, number three ABBA, number four Rolling Stones, number five Simon and Garfunkel, number like, again that's not that could have been a good guess. Yeah. Number six Cliff Richard, also a good guess. Yeah. It's like he's been making music for a thousand years. Yeah. Um, number seven Madonna, eight Michael Jackson, nine again Robbie Williams. <laughs> he's all over the place. And then beating out Robbie Williams, and they're beat uh, like beaten by Robbie Williams, Elton John. <laughs> he's a fucking pop powerhouse. Apparently, Robbie Williams is one of the greatest musical acts of the in the in the history of this. It country. seems like, but but really, I guess I guess like. I guess housewives love him. I guess that's what it is. He he is a cheeky, charming chap, isn't By he? By the I... way, we all we all pushed um, as a nation. We pushed Rootbox to number one in the UK album charts. By Excellent. the way, for shame. It's <laughs> like one of the worst albums ever made. Can, can we just make clear? If, if no one has ever listened to Rootbox, the single, I would definitely look up. Once you finish watching Bob Dylan's new video for Like a Rolling Stone, please watch the music video for Rootbox by Robbie Williams. And then lie down and listen to some um, listen to some of the Orb or something like that, just to kind of recenter yourself. Um, so yeah, that that's my music news. Um, uh, you know, speaking of Robbie Williams, I've, okay. I've I've um I've been listening to some of his stuff recently off of um off of his um new album Swings Both Ways. Ah. So uh, he he like so fairly similar to songs for Swinging Lovers. Cause, yeah. So I mean, this is the thing. He's in the running to now get the net the thousand number one um album with Swings Both Ways. Yeah. Which, which was released on the 18th. Yeah. He's the odds-on favourite, apparently. Yeah. He's up against, I think, One Direction. So, oh, I mean, it's kind of a shit. It's basically the housewives versus the teen girls. So it's it's, it's an exciting fight. I'm going to buy swings both ways. <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, going to do it tomorrow. So that's, that album is going to become the thousandth number one, which will obviously give some nice symmetry for so- with songs for Swinging Lovers. Yeah, it's, it's, also- it's symmetrical and I get to beat, um, and I get to beat One Direction. And, you know, it's a vote for Millennium, which is a good song, and Angels, which is amazing when you're drunk. Yeah, but, but that will also make Robbie Williams more successful in this country than Elvis Presley and Madonna. Yeah, good. But- so yeah, I guess. Yeah. I'm glad about that. <laughs> He's the hero that we need. <laughs> also, um this song, uh, a song called um Go Gentle. And I saw this, it's in the charts at the moment, and I was like, this should be a good candidate for shit music for terrible people, because it's a song by Robbie Williams called Go Gentle. Mm. And I was like, Oh, I see. 
I see what you're doing, you dirty yeah. boy. It, it's about it's a sex joke. You're going to go gentle in the sex having. Um, it's not actually about that at all. And um, this is in fact my awesome music for good people this week. Okay. Uh, he surprised me uh, by so um, so you know One Direction. We've covered them before on the show. <laughs> Yeah, um, infamous and, gang rapists. Yeah, they wrote a song which, you know, we covered as a joke um, and it got so dark we got a little bit afraid. Yeah. That was in um, episode 17, Ray Winston versus the Cheese Smugglers. An excellent uh, episode. Yeah, if you want to hear that, hear what we thought of One Direction. Because we started covering it as a joke and then there's a couple of lyrics in it that made us genuinely concerned for the daughters that we don't have yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, luckily, Robbie Williams, you know, he's taking them on for the number one spot album-wise this mm. um, this this week, um, and he's come at things from a completely opposite angle. This song called "Go Gentle" is essentially written from the point of view of a father to his daughter, and it's filled with like amazing advice. Genuinely, he's he seems to have like come out of the other end of hanging around with the Gallaghers and learned from their mistakes. And it's actually quite a charming song. Uh, it's not like listening to it, you know. Yeah, yeah, I, I can take it or leave it. But after I read the lyrics, I was like, yeah, this guy, uh, this guy seems like a nice guy. And um, the lyrics go as follow: You're gonna meet some strangers. Welcome to the zoo. Which I think is a bit of a that makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah, but she could have just been going to the horrible club called the Zoo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What, you mean the one in Manchester? <laughs> the one in Manchester, The yeah. only club that ever let us host our anime uh, our anime party. Well, apart from the Phoenix. Yeah, but the Phoenix, you know, that yeah. doesn't count. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he says, you're going to meet some strangers, welcome to the zoo, bit of disappointments, except for one or two. Some of them are angry and some of them are mean. Most of them are twisted and few of them are clean, which is true. Yeah. Um, now, when you go dancing with young men down at the disco, just keep it simple. You don't have to kiss them. Also true. Don't yep, waste time it. with the idiots that think they're heroes. They will betray you. Stick with us weirdos. Also true. Yeah, also true. <laughs> for all your days and nights, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. Yes, I will. Go gentle through your life. If you want me, I'll be there. When you need me, I'll be there for you. Don't try to make them love you. Don't answer every call. Baby, be a giant and let the world be small. Some of them are deadly. Some don't let that show. If they try and hurt you, just let your daddy know. <laughs> so, yeah, Robbie Williams threatening, up, threatening, saying that if anyone messes with his daughter, he'll kick their ass. <laughs> and he probably would. He probably will, yeah. yeah. Um, so far, know, the Gallagher like brothers, ex, are, yeah. they're, they're, uh, they're, they'll, they'll work for, like, if you'll pay them, they'll basically do anything at this point, mm. I, even if that means beating up preteen boys, I'm sure. Oh, man, I hope I hope Robbie Williams beats up young directors. <gasps> if, if, like, Robbie Williams and the Gallagher brothers is and One Direction locked in a prison shower together, who's coming out alive? I think we both know the answer. I mean, they've got a slight numbers advantage, but they're not lasting. No, maybe we'll lose one of the Gallagher brothers. That's fine. We'll lose the shit one. Which That's one's fine. a really annoying one? That one. I don't know. Nobody knows. That's how they survived for so long. Yeah. No one can remember the, which one's actually the colossal dickhead and which one's the other one. <laughs> So continue with the song. Now, when you go giving your heart away, make sure they deserve it. 
if they haven't earned it, earned it keep searching because it's worth it. For all your days and nights, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. Yes, I will. Go gentle through your life. If you want me, I'll be there. When you need me, I'll be there for you. So that's, that's the man who is opposing the tyranny of One Direction so, over the charts. So, yeah, I, can, I guess we can all support um, the second greatest musical act to come out of the UK since the Beatles, Robbie Williams, this week. <laughs> I think we might be in trouble. We might be in trouble, but I don't know. That, that was that was an all right message in that song. So yeah. we're not. We're At least he's in. not saying I'm going to take pictures of you, but then and send them to you. But but don't don't you dare send them to anybody else. Yeah, don't you dare tell anyone about what happened in yeah. that hotel room with me and my bandmates. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe Justin Bieber could have uh, could have learnt from that message, couldn't he? <laughs> well, he could have. Or we could just not talk about him because for, he is dead to me. Still. Oh yeah, of course we don't we don't talk about him anymore. Um, can we t- can we talk about instead of of of, of chatting about fat person? Can we uh, can we go to our new regular feature, Rob Ford chat? <laughs> who like? Can I just say who is essentially what I want Justin Bieber to become? Because they're both Canadian. <laughs> They're both Canadian. They both have substance abuse probs, problems. Yet one of them's not really doing anything with it. Whereas the other is a, is the mayor of a major city, and might be implicated in someone's murder. So, so you're saying that if if Justin Bieber was a Pokemon, he would evolve into Rob Ford. Yes, that is exactly what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> honestly, they're really they're both like they're both Canadian rednecks essentially. Yeah. Yeah, but they're very similar, like in their kind of their entire sort of origin and everything is really quite similar. So I'm I'm pretty sure that Justin Bieber is going to become Rob Ford. I hope so, because then I'll be able to talk about him again. In the meantime, we'll talk about Rob Ford, um, who I like. I mean, is just carrying on his train of awesomeness. Um, this week, while while denying that he had made lewd comments about someone on his staff said in a press conference that he ate his wife's pussy regularly. (laughs) I quote that almost verbatim. He said, I wouldn't have said that about her because I've got plenty to eat at home. Oh dear me. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Continuing to be the worst man. He's, like he went to um he then went to a council meeting where he was stripped of his powers and during it charged a sixty year old woman and knocked her to the ground. Yeah, I saw that and it like it looked like it, like because he couldn't even do that right because he charged her and then he kind of like he kind of grabbed her and laid her down tenderly <laughs> as if he was going to make sweet sweet love to her there on the floor. It was quite it was harrowing to watch. <laughs> it was ve- yeah harrowing is the word. Um. Yeah, and and then he he denied that he's seeking pro- seeking help for his his drug problems because he says he doesn't have them, even though he's admitted to it. Yeah, but when he said he was improving his health, he said, "I'm trying to lose some weight." <laughs> so not dealing with the the alcoholism and crack addiction. No, really. no, just just to, like get the weight off, and then everything else will sort itself out. Um. So yeah, like uh, Toronto, you still got. That got that going on, which leads me to my next subject, which is that because of Rob Ford and another story this week, crack is officially not cool anymore. Yeah, that's it. It's done. 
because he's the mayor of a city and he's done crack. And also this week, it was revealed that the chairman of the co-op bank, a Methodist minister, had also done crack. I think which, it's, uh, it's ironic it's, that a Methodist minister has been doing crack. He also did meth. Oh, well, good. That's good. Good. Well, I'm glad about that. I mean, those two people have combined three of the uncoolest professions and done crack during them. Oh, shit. So, yeah. Like, and it's basically just taught me that if we want to end, like, stop anyone doing drugs, what we just need to do is get to get an uncool person to publicly take drugs. <laughs> like, the crack epidemic would have never happened. If instead of like, instead of paying Mr. T to rap about how crack was bad or whatever Ronald Reagan did, <laughs> Ronald Reagan should have just smoked crack. Oh, what then, an amazing yeah. like presidential address that would be yeah, from from just, just Ronald Reagan smoking crack, saying, "Do you think this is cool? Do you think this is cool? Am is I cool? 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 Am I cool? Well, am I? Yeah, and and he wouldn't have been, so no one would have done crack anymore." But like um, instead, sort of thirty years later, these guys do it, and everyone's like, "Oh, I guess I won't do crack anymore because it's kind of lame." Well, I don't want to be a Methodist minister. I probably won't do any crack. <laughs> I guess I'll have some of that sweet, sweet meth. Like I guess, but I mean, the way you counteract that is you get the world's most boring man. It's Gordon Brown to sm- to smoke meth because then no one will smoke meth. Because I'm like, are you smoking meth? Gordon Brown smokes meth. And it's like, I don't want to be like Gordon Brown. Oh, shit. What's left for me? I guess I'm just going to have to, like, sit and watch Next Gen on Netflix. Yeah. Like, about- a, like all the cool people do. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, I might take some heroin now. No, didn't you see Norman Tebbit's now doing heroin? <laughs> oh, it's nothing to do. Like, there's a government body that that... that- puts boring people into compromising positions where they're incredibly tempted to take class A drugs to stop people from taking class A drugs. And then no one will try to look cool by taking drugs. It's a foolproof plan, Simon. No, but it's not because it's really difficult to judge, like, who's cool and who's not cool, especially if you're a government body. Like, what if, like, they tried to stop kids uh, from taking ecstasy by getting, I don't know, Boris Johnson from taking ecstasy? Fuck, then everyone would do ecstasy. Exactly. It's a slippery slope. Because <laughs> on the surface, he seems boring, but then, like, you see anything that he's done properly, and you're like, this guy's the coolest guy in the world. But then you're like, oh, wait, no, he's not. <laughs> no, but he is, but he isn't. It's complicated. It's, it's really complicated. It's difficult to explain. Basically, we just need to find a list of uncool people, send them to the government, and say, can you get these people to do drugs, please? Speaking of uh, speaking of cool shit, um, you remember the Hobbit from last year, right? Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, I remember the Hobbit, but not as well as I probably should do. <laughs> I don't remember the Hobbit as clearly as the Lord of the Rings, despite the fact that happened ten more years ago. Yeah, so so the Hobbit came out last um, last year and um, around Christmas time this year, as is the rule now. Yeah. Um, Desolation of Smog is coming out, which is like the next section of the Hobbit story. 
Yeah, because um, if there's one book that needs to be divided into three feature-length films, it was The Hobbit. Let's just not, shall we? Well, all right. Let's... I feel like everybody had this conversation a year and a half ago when we all found out that was the one they were doing it I to. think we had this conversation yeah. a year and a half ago. I'm not having this conversation. I'm just stating it. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely. There's no need to discuss it. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, the the, um, the second Hobbit movie's coming out. You remember the music in the first Hobbit movie was actually pretty good. Do you remember that? The Hobbit? I don't remember the music in The Hobbit. It was like an awesome song. Like they, they took um, one of the songs that was in the book and um, and worked. The Dwarves sang. Yeah. I and thought they worked that was out... the Rings. You see, this is the issue. Yeah, there you go. The song that the Dwarves sang is actually based on the song in the book and they worked yeah. out from the way that the words work and from talking to like the family of Tolkien how, how like the best way to translate it into an actual song. Yeah. Um, and it was really good. It was like haunting and and really well put together. And the and the scene where they all sang it together was kind of like jarring and out of place, which made it even more effective. Um, they're doing a similar thing this uh, this year, G. Mm. Um, but the uh, the dwarves won't be singing it. Ed Sheeran will be singing it. Well, when you say the dwarves won't be singing, <laughs> Ed Sheeran could be a fancy monster. Well, I suppose so, yeah. The troll will be singing it. The Wendigo, if you will. So Ed Sheeran's singing a song about... What's he singing? What's the lyrics of the song? I find you the song. It's about dragons and the ruination of um, of the dwarves and like their greed causing them to delve too deeply. So Ed Sheeran's singing a metal song. Is that what you're yeah, telling? that's the thing. So Ed Sheeran, a kind of ugly ginger guy that everyone got confused about because they thought he was from the streets yeah it's now not only not from the streets he's also singing a song about dragons and dwarves and shit yeah and yet he's having sex with taylor swift he like he exists by way of clerical error it's he amazing does. we spoke about this on um, episode 11 it's it's the one about it's the one about the Olympics closing ceremony and yeah. Jesse J's giant golden statue. Yeah, we don't even know how he's managed to get to where he is. He's, hmm. Maybe he is actually a wizard. Maybe that's what it is. I guess. Um, like, is he casting some sort of amazing spell? And we're the only people that can see through his disguise. Maybe that's what it is because we we're touched by the power of magic. Or. Or we're also nerds. That's it. The only people who can see through it are also nerds. Yeah. So no one believes them. Yeah, exactly. No one believes them when they say that Ed Sheeran isn't cool because they're like, what do you know, nerd? He's really awesome. But I know we can see the technicals and nodules. You don't understand. He's a Wendigo. <laughs> the the song is called I See Fire. Yeah. Which should be pronounced I See Fire. Yeah. Um, and like lyrics, seriously, it's it's just a hammerfall song. I'm not even <laughs> joking. Oh, misty eye of the mountains below, keep careful watch of my brother's souls. And should the sky be filled with fire and smoke, keep watch over Durin's sons. If there is an end in fire, then we shall all burn together. Watch the flames climb higher into the night, calling out, Father, stand by and we will watch the flames burn a burn on the mountainside. Wicked guitar solo. Yeah, like, thanks, Ed Sheeran. But it's not. It's it's like vaguely folky pop. Yeah. I get the folk angle because that's kind of the dwarves thing. Yeah, but... 
but he's, he's not really a folk guy either. Yeah, he's he's Ed Sheeran. Yeah, it's not really a thing, but he's everything, I guess. <laughs> he's everything, and yet he is no one. Yeah, and, the and, mystery and, maker, the glimmer weave. And, and may I say again, is almost definitely having sex with Taylor Swift. <laughs> You're jealous. You're I so am. jealous. I am massively jealous. You look at this guy. He's like he's he's uglier than you. He's ginger. He yeah. writes songs about like stillbirth. Yeah, and he he's wrote... top of the business at the moment. Yeah, and I'm just like, why why did this happen to you? Yeah. You have no redeeming features, and yet, and yet. And <laughs> if the night is burning, I will cover my eyes, for if the darkness returns, then my brothers will die. And if the sky's falling down, it crashes into this lonely town, and with that shadow upon the ground, I hear my people screaming out. <laughs> It's, I mean, those are like the most metal lyrics, I know. but it's not. Um, I, I, I did tell you, I, I sent you a text to tell you about, um, you might remember me talking about the guy who did a, um, now I'm trying to think, it was, he, he, he's sort of like a, he's it's a like very white guy singer. I imagine he really likes Ed Sheeran, this yeah, guy. idolises and, him. And he did a version of One Love by Bob Marley. It's like, and G has been sending me texts periodically over the last two weeks, and it's just been getting worse and worse. His, his, I think his main standard at the moment, the one he plays the most, is Ignite by R. Kelly in the style of James Blunt. Um, today I walked past and he was singing the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air theme tune, but like to an acoustic guitar white guy voice. That's terrible. He's doing that funny, like, white man voice thing they do now where it's kind of like he's sort of singing i mean he's singing in a falsetto because it's like it's a red it's like an octave higher than his singing voice but it's like he's cho- it's like a ch- it's like he's choking on an egg very tired singing like this so in west philadelphia born and raised yeah exactly and the the funny like you know right i mean you you know ignite by r kelly right yeah ignition i mean sorry it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's the remix to ignition hot and fresh out the kitchen yeah one. exactly and you know how like there's sort of a bit of a chorus bit where r kelly goes bounce bounce bounce, yeah. bounce. but this guy's singing it and because he's doing this voice he's going Bonds, 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 bonds. He's saying bonds. Bonds, 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 And it's like, what? What are you doing? Um, everybody, case. just I'm just going to stop you there, G. Um, that's if you're uh, if you consider yourself a fan of um, of Errand of Mercy and you've been listening for a while, uh, that's your new ringtone. <laughs> Job fucking done. I know it's mine. I don't know about the rest of you, but I know it's mine. Please don't, because I was making fun of this man for being awful. Oh, that's fine. The worst thing is he's got, like, three teenage girls who, like, follow him around. Like, three really attractive teenage Uh... girls. I think he must... I guess he also has some of the Ed Sheeran spell. That's what it is. There's a clan of Wendigos living amongst us. I've, it's just like it's just like um, fables. That's what it is. Yeah, no, All that's the successful it. musicians. Yeah, a, a, a they wedding. don't make any sense. Yeah, maybe They're Dappy's magic. one as well. No, because I think Dappy doesn't make sense, but in a way that makes sense. Oh, know? okay. <laughs> like Ed Sheeran doesn't make sure. sense. Dappy yeah. doesn't make sense, but like 
that's just because idiots like stuff. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Like, so. Even idiots shouldn't like Ed Sheeran. <laughs> it's my point. I they should have got. I reckon they should have got Bob Dylan to do it. They should have got Bob Dylan to do to do I See Fire. Yeah, but I don't think they wanted to triple the budget of the Hobbit movies. Or Frank Turner. Yeah, he would I mean, have done it for cheaper. Yeah, they could probably give him a like stood him a pint at a pub. Exactly at this <laughs> point, Frank Turner would have felt guilty about doing it for that much. Yeah, <laughs> man, he would probably would have done it all right. Actually, they should have. Got, when did they get Frank Turner to do it? I'm pissed off now. Your your thing. Whenever anyone does any music, I imagine there's like a list in your head. It's like you've got a flowchart that says, "I am listening to a song," and and there's two lines. It's like. Why isn't Frank Turner doing it? Why isn't Rush doing it? <laughs> yeah, they cover basically all musical themes. <laughs> you should hear the uh, the Rush version of Get Low that I've invented in my head. It's amazing. Right, okay. Now, last week you brought back Creep or Creation. Yeah. Sort of like a a, a, a sort of test for me. I have to, are you kind of give me some things? I have to give you an answer. Yeah. I'm going to give you two news stories uh, this week, and I want to tell you to tell me which one is the better neighbour. So this is uh, <laughs> this is uh, the Errand of Mercy's Neighbourhood Watch. Yeah, that that's what this feature is called. It's called the Neighbourhood Watch. Um, so the first man is a man in um, upstate New York. He's called Brian Malter, and he's been arrested for firing a Civil War cannon at his neighbours for eight days straight. <laughs> That's the the eight days is the thing that sells it to me. Yeah. Yeah, to, to, be, to be clear, the cannon wasn't loaded. He was just pointing it at their house and then setting off a massive explosion. That is good bad neighbour stuff. <laughs> That's like that should be in the textbook. Um, at current, he is on two thousand five hundred dollar bail, awaiting trial. Okay, uh, and his attorney says the truth will come out in court. So that's oh, your yes, first. Yes, now. it will. That's what the. That's. Uh, I guess you're correct. <laughs> that is that is the way the the, the jury based judicial system works. Yes, congratulations. So you his cells the- will respire and produce oxygen. Yeah, well, you're saying that. I guess that's true, but it doesn't really add any information. Um, so that's our first neighbour. Our second neighbour is Alan Markovitz of Detroit, um, also in the United States, Detroit, Michigan, who um, divorced his wife and then bought the house next to hers and erected a massive statue of a, of a, of a hand giving the middle finger that points towards her living room window. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> So the question is, which of these men is the better neighbour? Who's the better neighbour? Who's the best at being a (laughs) neighbour? Who's the best at being a bad neighbour? Yeah. Oh, fuck. Which of these neighbours will become good friends? (laughs) I think the cannon guy. You think the cannon man is the better neighbour? Yeah, because I can imagine, like... Like, just imagine that, like, somebody, like, let's say you lived in a in a detached house sometime in the future with like a wife and a and a son, mm. single son. You you've got like a neighbour who fires a Civil War era cannon at your um at your house every day for eight days, and you like file the papers and he gets arrested, 
and he gets fined, but like you know, he manages to pay it. He makes bail. He gets a suspended sentence or something, and then he comes over with like a big muffin basket or something, and um, he's like, "Look, I'm really sorry. I was going through a diff- really difficult time. Um, I've had some mental issues recently that I'm I'm getting medicated for, or I'm having counselling, and that's really helping." Um, and it was just the way that like you put your wheelie bins out and that really set off like a psychosis for me but everything at the moment is 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 all right i just want to apologize here's a really nice bottle of wine i hope we can be friends okay i think that he could probably work his way out of that situation and he would be invited to your barbecues that you yeah. hold again also because i kind of want to be friends with someone who owns a can exactly and yeah. like you know you'd 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 introduce him to me and i'd be like hey you're canon guy hey and we'd shake hands and it'll be yeah. fine yeah uh, I- yeah. I don't think you can I don't think you can rescue the other relationship. <laughs> that has ended. I think he just needs to let go. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. Because like one of them's just being a bad neighbour, the other's being a bad human. Yeah, so. like just like the, a, a statue of the middle finger. Can you imagine watching that go up over like a couple of weeks? Also, like it's the it I mean, can you think of a tackier sentiment? I know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, no, you've made you have made exactly the right choice. Congratulations. He's... That was that was my also also my opinion. I didn't even give you all of the details of, of Alan Markovitz, but you know, just on the information I gave you, you've got the right choice. Oh, I see. So your your um, your game that you play with me is in, in, entirely based of, on conjecture and opinion. I see. Yeah. I see how this exactly. works. Yeah. <laughs> one of us did politics at university. The other one did a hard science subject. Yeah. Guess who? Guess who? <laughs> that sounds rigged, but I'm glad I got it right. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk about something else that I exposed you to before we started the show. Because um, oh, we started, fuck, I, we, I kind of hoped you'd forgotten about this because I don't know if I want to revisit. <laughs> so we started like we got on on Skype to do the show this evening, and she was like, "You have to watch this before we start." I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, I have something for you as well." And she wanted to show me the Bob Dylan video, which is amazing. And I wanted to show G the trailer for a movie that's coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's coming out uh, next year, uh, early to mid next year. It's called Noah. And the strapline of the movie is, At the end of the world is where it begins. Oh, That's no. the strapline. And, and uh, don't say early to mid next year. You mean Easter next year because it's yeah. a religious movie. Yeah. This is, um, this is a terrible movie. It's, so this is Noah... A film about Noah, yeah, starring Russell Crowe, Emma Watson, Ray Winston. Who else was in it? Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins was in it. Yeah. Um, directed by Darren Aronofsky. <laughs> it's got Jennifer Connelly in it. As Jennifer well, Connelly. That's it. That's who plays Noah's wife. Yeah. It, it, it's like. It's a joke. It's a joke movie from a, a sketch show. Like, if I made a sketch show, I'd make a joke movie. Like, I'm almost certain that when Passion of the Christ came out, like, there was an episode of South Park or something where they made a joke about someone making a film of Noah starring Russell Crowe. Yeah, like, I, it feels like that, doesn't it? Because that's it. I mean, like, Passion of the Christ, a film about Jesus directed by Mel Gibson. 
hmm, what's the obvious parody of that? Oh, how about a film about Noah starring Russell Crowe? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's an obvious joke that will never happen. It's just... Like it's, everything it's, it's, about it, just watch the trailer this week, everybody. You know uh, the the the, re, the thing about it is because it's a it looks like a really high budget film. Yeah, it, I mean it doesn't look like a good film, but it looks like a good film. It looks like a technically proficient film. Yeah, that shouldn't happen. <laughs> How is that happening? I don't like. Uh, I mean, I mean the thing is, okay, like. I mean, the only comparable religious film is really Passionate for Christ. That's the yeah. only sort of modern... Like, there's, there's, like, the Sword and Sandals religious film. So, you know, um, you've got the Ten Commandments. Um, Ben-Hur, I guess, is in that. Um, what's the one that... This, the, the Sword and the Sandal or something? That sounds like a film. Yeah. It's like... The, this, there's, there's, like, lots of those sort of 60s epic religious kind of themed films yeah but there was a big break and the only other comparable film is passion of the christ but passion of the christ isn't really comparable no i mean i don't think it's it's an it's a it's a flawed film but it's not like a big name star it's not all flashy effects you know it's, it's just it's 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 like a not great film but it's kind of like it's hearts in the right place almost kind but of just, yeah this is a big. This is Lord of the Rings, but it's a. It's the Bible story. It's a Sunday school story, but done in the style of no, not of, of not Lord of the Rings. It's it's, a, it's if you if someone watched Gladiator and were like, oh, I will use the story my son just learned about in Sunday school, and and make this film. I'll even cast Russell Crowe in the lead role, because when it, I think of one of the patriarchs of the Jewish faith. I think Russell Crowe. <laughs> like, and I think Russell, like, I, I want to say, like, I actually think Russell Crowe's a good actor. Yeah, yeah. But he's not Noah. <laughs> yeah, he would be one of the judges. Yeah, like, yeah, maybe. If he, you're yeah. going to cast him as a part in the Bible. Yeah, I just, it's... More, maybe late Rain David. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I could even see him playing King Solomon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Solomon would work. No, that's Anthony Hopkins. Come on. <laughs> Anthony Hopkins <laughs> plays Solomon in basically Anthony everything. Hopkins now so plays because Anthony Hopkins appears in this film as a wise old man because that's what Anthony Hopkins does. Now. Yeah. But yeah, I mean that's the thing. Anthony Hopkins will be Solomon just as he dies. Yeah. Just like whereas Russell Crowe will be Solomon for the bulk of the movie. Yeah, like yeah, there's like like yeah, Anthony Hopkins will be Solomon at the beginning using his deathbed confessions as a framing narrative. Yeah, exactly. That, yeah. yeah, okay. That's fuck, we should we should really we should we should get this worked out. Like I'm not a Solomon movie would be fucking awesome. It would be like Game of Thrones. Just full of like sex and murder and and like weird alchemy. How much money we would make <laughs> How much? Because this, we were speaking before the show and you were like, how is this being made? How has somebody spent so much money on it? And I was saying, well, it's because you can guarantee the Christian dollar. That's all it is. It's coming out on the 28th of March. It's like a week before Easter. It's going to kill at the box office. Yeah. It's going to be the biggest movie of all time because, I mean, well, I mean, we're both Christians and neither of us are going to see this, right? No, no. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot, that, like, a lot of people will. <laughs> 
The the moment I decided I wasn't going to go and see it was when Ray Winston screamed, "Take the ark!" and then <laughs> led like an army of like proto-human cavemen out of the shade of some trees into the small clearing that the ark was in. Now, the ark was pretty big. Yeah. I don't think it would be in a small clearing. Like you could fit maybe like it covers the um the 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 maybe the the footprint of the Empire State Building, which sounds big, but, but then when you think of how big the Empire State Building actually is compared to yeah. the amount of trees it would require to deforest to build the Ark, it's not that big. <laughs> um, but yeah, like that's just fucking stupid. But the thing is, our King Solomon film would be awesome. It would be like, amazing because. It wouldn't be like, like this is the thing. This film's got like loads of really sh- like loads of special effects, and it's just kind of like taking itself very seriously, but also looking incredibly campy and having yeah. Ray Winston shout stuff. Yeah, you know. <laughs> oh, I don't. We're know. gonna we gotta do like we'll do a we'll do a Song of Solomon um, movie. No, oh, like- yeah, hey, 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 hey. I want to get this rated so that people can see this movie. No, no, like we'll make our money in in Christian pornography. That's where we'll start <laughs> off. I do you ever want like because you know like there's a lot of uh, very evangelical, very puritanical American Christians. Like the thing that bothers me is they can never have read the Song of Solomon. Yeah, the Song of Solomon, if you don't know, is a book in the Bible um, written by King Solomon. To, to like his favorite because he had loads of wives and it's written yeah. to like his favorite wife and it is filthy yeah it's just like the the entire thing is just like horrifically like uh, it's all like kind of written in like mills it's like mills and boone it's no, like you know, the, the, the origin of mills and boone like like metaphor the experience of reading songs of solomon and and realizing what it's about do you remember the first time you realized that what peter gabriel's sledgehammer was about yeah yeah it's yeah. exactly the same experience you're like <laughs> oh god oh, oh peter what? oh solomon really <laughs> But that's a lot of allusions to honey I'm not entirely comfortable with. So he did that, and he's also like this crazy biblical character who may or may not have been well into, like, weird alchemical stuff. Yeah, because, like, I mean, he's an interesting character because obviously he's, like, one of the... He's, like, both one of the most successful kings, but also he, like kind of starts worshipping demons and has like 200 wives and shit. Yeah. And and then God destroys Israel after he dies because he's like, you let that guy run things, like seriously? (laughs) Yeah, he was... What he has done here. That would be the end. That would be like the most amazing end to um, to the movie. Like Solomon gets to heaven and he's speaking to the guy at the pearly gates and he's like are you going to let me in then and he's like no we're not going to let you in and he's like and see what has become of your kingdom and the clouds part and there's just like like meteors raining down on jerusalem and then it ends just the end of the film is just then history of the kind of like destruction of israel yeah and then we could also sell it to the israelis yeah it's like we could that movie, we can get the evangelical Christian audience 
and the Jewish audience. I like. I don't see how we can go wrong with this, Simon. It'd be amazing. We're going to be millionaires. We are going to be actual millionaires. Uh, but we put it on the internet, so now somebody else is going to. You're welcome. You're welcome, Hollywood. You're great, Hollywood. Thanks. Ugh. It could get really fucking weird and dark. It would be amazing. It would be, be like the best would... biblical movie ever. <laughs> it would be the best biblical. It would be the single best movie about the Bible ever made. <laughs> we can follow it up with Judges, like a HBO miniseries about the the books, the book of Judges, which is like all the crazy shit where Israel's at war with itself and there's loads of warring factions. And a sleeping warlord gets murdered by a, when a woman hammers a tent peg through his head. Mm, yeah, it's just and then the bit. Wait, which one of the kings was the one? Which I can't remember which one of the kings of the judges was the one who got a bear to kill, to kill a load of kids because they were taking the piss out of him. <laughs> Is that David? It's probably David. I think it, there's one bit in in the store in like the book of David, where like a bunch of kids are making fun of David because like he's grown, he's gotten a bit old and he's balding, and he gets God to send a bear to kill a bunch of children. <laughs> The Bible, people, read it. Awesome. The Old Testament rolled different, didn't it? I mean, skip all the books that are just like lists of laws because those are boring. But yeah. you know, it's it's pretty good. Yeah, there's <laughs> there's even a bit in the Old Testament where um, where a man summons an army of the dead to defeat the enemies of Jerusalem. That happens. <laughs> Last week it was impromptu, um, imp- impromptu Star Wars chat. This week it's impromptu biblical history chat. Yeah. We should have put this bit in the episode where we started by talking about how we were a Christian podcast. Yeah, this is our Christian comedy podcast. But I get actually this week. I suppose this this week's this week's episode is brought to you by the by the book Songs of Solomon, <laughs> um, the Songs of Errand of Mercy. We could call the film The Errands of Solomon. Yeah, it'd be amazing. (laughs) I've got like a short thing to end on um, because I feel we've ripped into America quite a lot recently. Yeah, we have. Well, it's it's been giving us a lot of opportunities to. Giving us a lot of opportunities. To be fair, it just it's just making Noah, so we could rip into it some more. But I I instead want to talk about. um, Well, I mean. In a way, I'm talking about bitcoins, which is something I'm loath to do. Don't but, do that. But this this week, uh, the US uh, US uh, Securities and Exchange Committee, I think. Um, oh no, it's the Homeland Security and Government Affairs Committee. Yeah, it's going to be uh, doing a sort of study of um, of bitcoins. They're going to have hearings. Going to have people like people from the financial industry people who've been working with bitcoins um uh, senator thomas carper the chair of the committee said the reason is virtual currencies perhaps most notably bitcoin have captured the imagination of some struck fear among others and confused the heck out of the rest of us <laughs> i really appreciate that honesty amongst yeah. americans sometimes it's like you know some people are scared some people are excited most of us don't know what the fuck this is, so we're going to invite some nerds in to explain it to us. Hey, Point Dexter, come over here and tell me about bitcoins. Yeah. 
<laughs> they do that, don't they? They're, they're good at they're good at using like a, a like a militarized government body to to put the right people in the right place to do the right research. Yeah, pretty much. Like I, I think of all of the world's bureaucracies, sometimes America seems to get it about right. Yeah, <laughs> um, I guess that's because that's kind of what they were founded on with all like the ideals of American exceptionalism and the the world's fair and stuff. Yeah. So, um, but I, I like. I don't know. I don't know anything about Senator Thomas Carper. I don't know his political affiliations, but I like his candor. Yeah, like the um, like the cut of his jib. So, so congratulations, sir. That's exactly the sort of politician we need. Someone will just admit they don't know what the fuck's going on. What is this? What do I do with this? What the hell? What the heck is this? Can we get some guys in here? Someone. My son was talking about this Bitcoin thing. We should probably have a hearing about it. What in the Sam Hill is going on here? <laughs> So, um, yeah, I'll end on a positive note for Americans this week. Um, So thank you very much for listening. Um, If you want to get in touch with us, we're on Twitter at EOM Podcast. Uh, You can like us on Facebook at errand. It's facebook.com forward slash errand of mercy. Our email address is eom.podcast at gmail.com. I was going to do it tonight, but it's getting a bit late, so I'll probably do it sometime next week. I'm going to write a guide explaining how to download this show, which probably won't be useful to you, listener, because you are listening to this. But like, if any of your friends are like, I tried to listen to that show you suggested, but it's really confusing, might help them. Still can't, still can't get iTunes still to, to, to take us back. Can't get iTunes to take us back. I will say, though, actually quite a lot of podcasts, it turns out, have been having a lot of issues with iTunes tunes over the last couple of weeks so it's nice to know we're not alone it's good maybe we should make our own itunes if the money we make from the errands of solomon yeah when we make the errands of solomon we'll just use it to force itunes out of business that's a fucking excellent idea because we'll definitely be richer than apple at that point (laughs) yeah that's totally possible that's something that will definitely happen to anybody ever No, I'm pretty sure if we make the best religious movie ever, we'll become the richest men in the world. There's no doubt about that. Just like be able to get the uh, like the Hindus or the Sikhs on board. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if they'd be down. We'll find a way. We will find. We'll we'll cast. We'll cast. What we will do is we will cast Amita Bachchan as Solomon. <laughs> And then we'll get literally everyone on Earth to watch this movie. <laughs> Could we put Gilgamesh in there as well? I guess. Like, like he just turns up. What is he, some kind of Asian? He's like uh, the main character of basically the first story ever told. I don't know who Gilgamesh is, but I think he's a bit before Solomon's time. A little bit, yeah, a well, little bit. Oh. Can we fuck? Can we make a film about about King Solomon starring Amita Bachchan? That's like the only thing I want to do now. <laughs> <laughs> it could like we could get all of India on board if we were like Solomon. The Rajas of India have sent you performers, <laughs> and then like it's just an entire troupe made up of all of the stars of Bollywood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, you could just get, like, at some point during the film, he gets, like, an embassy from India and we go to a Bollywood number. Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. It's the most multicultural movie, most multicultural, highest-grossing movie ever made. Yeah, and then we'll make a special cut for the Chinese audience where Solomon talks about how awesome China's economic power is. (laughs) I had it made in China. Yeah. (laughs) 
What's this? It's the Philosopher's Stone. I had it made in China. The Chairman's Stone. <laughs> I had it made in China. Also, at the end of the film, no one will rebel because yeah. you know, stability is paramount. <laughs> So yeah, that was our show this week. Uh, we will see you next week when we will be the richest movie producers in the world. Good night. Good night. Good night.